What if I told you that there is a business model that can dramatically grow your email list, help you stay focused on one awesome project for like two to three months, build a raving tribe of people who love what you say, and allow you to set up a funnel that goes on to help you create tens of thousands of dollars with products and courses and all those good things, and that you can do it based around living your dream lifestyle. If that all sounds too good to be true, then I'm pretty sure you're going to want to listen into this episode of Untapped with my guest who shares all, and I do mean all. Hey, I'm Natalie Sisson, a Kiwi, best-selling author, speaker, podcaster, vlogger, and business coach dedicated to helping you tap into your potential and get paid to be you. So Mitch Asser is a fantastic bloke. He's from Australia. He's currently living in his Mercedes Sprinter van and traveling around Aussie, just enjoying life, surfing, doing all those good things, yet he has built himself several really profitable online businesses. And that's because Mitch has used the power of virtual summits to grow not only his, but many of his clients' email lists from hundreds to tens of thousands, as well as their bottom line. And virtual summits are just such an interesting business model. They've been around for years. I thought of doing them myself. And you will see why at the end of this podcast, I am 100% certain that you will see a virtual summit from me in 2020 for all those reasons that I have just outlined as to why they are so beneficial. But like any business model, there are drawbacks, there are setbacks, there are pros and cons. And so I just want you to listen to all about how Mitch has built a business around this, but also a beautiful lifestyle. And we don't just talk business here. We go into the why of what's important in life. So I think there's something for everybody in this episode. I'm going to quit talking. We can just dive right in. Mitch Asser, welcome to Untapped. It's so good to have you here. It's so good to be here. I'm excited for this conversation. It should be lots of fun. I'm excited too, and I'm particularly excited for those listening to the beautiful tropical birds that you have going on as a beautiful chorus in the background. Like it's like you had your own podcast supported by this cacophony of birdsong. That's pretty special. <laughs> <laughs> you actually didn't notice that. I think I'm just getting so used to um, hearing those sounds so often now. And mm. um, yeah, maybe we can dive into how they're, why they sound so yeah. loud right now. But, yeah, because um, where yeah, are you, where are you coming to us from right now? That's the, the fun bit because nobody would know just from looking at this video or listening in. Yeah, so right now I'm living in a Mercedes Sprinter van. So it's a long wheelbase van. Essentially, it's fitted out to be an apartment on wheels. So I've got, I still got a kitchen. I've still got a toilet and shower. I've got my bed. I've got a place, my work desk where I'm sitting right now. But it's just a little bit more compact and it's mobile. So I can, I can literally drive anywhere that I want. Tend to stick around the coast of east coast of Australia. But yeah, it's so much fun. I love the lifestyle and yeah, it's so rewarding as well. And how long have you been in your van? I've been in here in 10 months now. So I bought the van back in February last year. Mm -hmm. And yeah, a lot of people say to me, like, was it hard to transition into such a small space? Like, did you have to get rid of some of your stuff? But in fact, I had to buy stuff to actually move into the van because <laughs> I've been living out of a, out of my suitcase for about four or five years before that. So yeah. it was quite an easy transition for me. And mm -hmm. I guess the the thing that I enjoy most about it is 
like adventure is a core part of who I am and I loved moving around to all different places and exploring them and living in different cities. However, I was starting to feel like I needed a little bit more grounding. I needed a home. Like I never felt like I really had a home and getting the van sort of was the best of both worlds. Now I feel like I've got a home, but I can still adventure and travel around to anywhere I want. So it's been such a great experience so far. I love that. We've kind of done the same, except I moved into a gigantic lifestyle property to be surrounded by nature and bought a few more things than you. I get you on the wanting to feel grounded, especially after all the time that we've both spent living out of our suitcase. There's definitely, I think, a point at which most people reach where they're like, I quite like a little wardrobe or I just like a place where I know my stuff constantly is and I can spread it out a little bit and just, as you said, have that base. That's so cool. And how are you connected up? I think I might have asked you this when we chatted offline, but with for internet, obviously, everybody's business. How's the internet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's interesting in Australia, like the cable connections are not super quick. So like even if I go into a co-working space, I might get on a good day, 100 megabytes upload and download. I'm just hotspotting my phone right now. In most places, especially capital cities and like really built up areas, I'm getting the same, if not better, from the 4G connection on my phone. Wow. Um, so that works pretty well. But I've also got a backup 4G unit from one of the telecommunication companies here. Mm-hmm. And that seems to work just as well. And then I've actually purchased an antenna, like an extra antenna to boost that signal if I need to. But I've not had to use that yet. I'm, I'm actually about to go on a trip around Australia this year. So I have those things as backup just in case I need to use them. But yeah, I mean, the 4G connection is so good these days um, yeah. and, and it's so only gonna widely get better, available. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Cool. So I was going to ask you if you were going to go on your trip because um, obviously the next logical question that people are probably wanting me to ask is, so Mitch, how do you get paid to be you and travel around in a van? Because I mean, I feel in some ways it's the bit like when I was a suitcase entrepreneur and you were traveling, people thought that was the ultimate dream. And it is or it isn't depending on what your lifestyle values are, but I'm big time into adventure and freedom obviously as well. So I'm kind of a little bit jealous of what you're doing here. It does sound fantastic. And maybe it's on my agenda for next year. But yeah, I'd love to know or for you to share basically how you have been doing this and how you are doing this while earning a great income doing what you love to do. Yeah, absolutely. I guess I've been in business in like building digital businesses for the last four years now. It's been a really amazing journey. It's been a challenging journey. It's been, you know, lots of fun in the process. But yeah, I started in the health and wellness niche. So we built up a community of over 60,000 people from all around the world. We had you know, over three and a half thousand customers from the different products. Most of them were summits that we put out over the years. I ended up selling that last year um, to a company in the USA and selling all of our, you know, the rights to our content and, you know, hundreds of hours of content and things like that. So that sort of gave me a really good base to then start something new. And because I've done so well in the summit space, that's sort of what I've fallen into over the last six months and building a, a small boutique agency around virtual summits. So for the last six months, we've been building and producing summits for for other clients. Mm -hmm. Uh, However, predominantly what we do is Facebook ads for summit launches. Um, So that's the income that I have right now. And for the longest time, I was all about scaling quickly and, you know, reaching as many people as possible, which comes with its challenges and comes with the time involved. This year, I've decided to 
slow down a little bit and focus a little bit more on lifestyle and then fitting in the business and things like that around that lifestyle. So, and that's probably just going to be for this year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I still love like building businesses and, you know, I still want to make a massive impact. However, I think, you know, after there just comes time periods in your life where you just need to slow down for a little bit and taking, you know, two steps back is actually really good to build a really solid foundation both within your business, but personally and for your wellness as well. And yeah, I'll come back better than ever when I'm ready. And yeah. Yeah. Nice. Well, I've got you into using virtual summits initially. So I know you had the health and wellness business, but had you just seen the success of other people in terms of how they're fantastic for building email lists and um, building content and then being able to monetize that content? Or what was it that struck you about summits that was really appealing? It actually appealed to my values really uh, quite Mm -hmm. a lot back then and still does. So growing up, I didn't have a lot of mentors who were living the lifestyle that I desired back then. And I didn't really know anybody in business. So I didn't really know where to start when I was getting into wanting to, you know, live life on my terms, not be stuck in a, in a job for 40 years, you know, 40, 50 hours a week. So I just started learning a lot and watching YouTube videos, buying programs, going to events and learning from people who are actually doing it. And the first part of it is I love to, to learn um, and about things that I'm passionate about. Um, the second part of that is getting around people who are actually doing it. So like people who've been there, done that experience. And then, yeah, the third part is just sharing my journey. So like summits really fit into all of those things. You get to connect with really great influencers in your space, interview them for 30 to 60 minutes on the topic that they're great at. So even though you might've been following them for a long time or heard about the work that they do, you get to ask your questions to them as well. So you can get a different perspective. And then, yeah, sharing that as well along the way. So it really just hit on all of those key things. And I saw it as a really valuable way to get, like when starting out, it was a really valuable way to connect with people in your industry, to build an email list and to build a really high quality product at the same time. Whereas, you know, if you're starting out and building a podcast, it's a little bit hard to scale that unless you have a huge budget behind you because there's no direct income coming in from that particular podcast. Although I still love podcasting, especially long term. I think it's Mm. great for branding. But yeah, so it was all of those things. And, you know, I I did my first summit in the health niche and I put in so many hours. Like I'm talking hundreds of hours trying to figure stuff out and follow programs and interview people and reach out. And I launched it and I was like, okay, this is going to be great. There's going to be thousands of people. I'm going to make all my money back. And there was literally, I think about four or 500 people signed up. Barely that's made still money. great. I mean, that sounds really back. good to me, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Probably not for hundreds of hours. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like I, I was probably working to maybe $2 an hour or a dollar an hour by the time of the money that came back in. However, I still fell in love with the process and I fell in love with the work that I was doing. Mm. And yeah, just over time, just dedicated myself to becoming better and better and better at that. And, you know, for my, for the health brand, we ended up, you know, before selling that, having 17,000 people from just one summit. I've worked with clients who have had over 70,000 people in wow. a summit. So yeah, it's pretty amazing, you know, to go from where I was to where I am now um, and, you know, everything that's happened in between. That is incredible. Thank you for sharing that as well. Cause I, I know of quite a lot of people who put on summits and I can see how much work they put in, but I also know the benefits and the outcomes of it can be tremendous. So we're talking like, as you said, 
going from almost nothing to huge lists often. And yes, there's a lot of spend up front, obviously, on ads, especially if you're starting out from scratch. But I really love your idea about how it aligns with your values because this is why I do podcasts. So I get to speak to people that I think are cool, interesting, smart, know stuff that I want to know, probe, ask questions, find out about their life. I mean, it's all about being, as you said, like a lifelong learner and for me, a leading learner so that you can take that information, really use it and apply it and then show others how to use it as well. So yeah, I love that. And that's why it's quite appealing for me that I might finally get my own virtual summit out this year. However, I have seen more and more and more, and I just kind of like to dive into this for people who maybe haven't heard about a summit before, you've potentially even been part of one. So maybe you can break it down for people on what a summit is or what it has been up until now. And then I'd love to sort of touch on a few trends that I'm seeing in summits that I'd like to really ask some questions about. Yeah, for sure. So where to start? Like you said, it's such a big project. So I really like what Navid Moazes says about summits. It's like a podcast on steroids. So basically you're, you're getting a range of speakers, you know, somewhere between, I would say the sweet spot is somewhere between 18 to 24 speakers together on a particular topic and you're interviewing them on that. And you want to be covering all of the different micro topics within that topic to sort of almost build out like an online course in some cases, but you're really just gathering, you know, together the best people possible to answer all of the questions on a particular topic. Just like a podcast interview, they typically go for 30 to 60 minutes. However, instead of releasing them as like a one a week or an evergreen type setup, you're putting them together in an online event. So normally for a summit, what happens is people hit the landing page, they see what the summit's about, they'll sign up and it's free for anywhere between seven to 10 days for people to, to watch all of the interviews for free. So day one will come around and there might be five speakers on day one and all of those speakers will be available to watch and listen to for 24 hours. And then once that closes, day two will come up and there'll be a brand new set of speakers. So that's basically how it works. And then from a, a listening and a watching point of view, and then once the summit recordings itself, so rather than having the 24 hours to actually watch and listen up to the summit, they actually get them for life so that, you know, as they start taking action, they can come back and review the sessions. They can, um, you know, if they're not ready for some parts of the content now, they might be in another three months. So they'll have that available then, but you also want to be giving them a lot of bonuses as well. So it might be MP3. So it's easier to listen to on the road on the go transcripts sometimes are put in their action guides so like taking the best bits and pieces and putting them into pdf form and they're sort of like the minimum requirements to make it a decent offer however i try and go above and beyond that and if you can provide things like templates little guides that support that topic you know especially like live q a's are really effective as well if you're in the in a niche where a physical product is would make sense, then definitely do something like that. I think a physical product these days really breaks through the noise that we have online right now. It's a good way to stand out and build your brand. So the offer is then made. I'm seeing anywhere between sort of 3% to some clients have had up to 15% of people who sign up for the summit actually take that offer, right. which is quite high compared to a lot of offers that you're putting out there for online courses mm. and, and things like that. So 
yeah, how, yeah, is this still making sense so far? Yeah, yeah, that's um, and that's really interesting on conversion rates because you're right. With courses, it's often around one or two percent, um, and other things as well. So, I mean, I don't think people sometimes realise these numbers are so low, and that's why they get so upset when they put all their heart and soul into something and they don't get the results. But once you know those are sort of the conversions, one, you can bust out of the normal conversions and smash them out of the park, and two, it's usually something within your framework, right? Like the ad needs to be better, or the landing page and the sign up pages and you can always tweak those things and improve them so i just i don't want people to hear that and go that's really disheartening it's all about how do you continue to increase those percentages and continue to improve the experience for people yeah exactly and it also depends on what industry and niche that you're in as well like you know if you're converting at five percent in the online business space that's probably really good whereas you know more of your hobby type niches and they're converting at 15 percent. like you can't really compare you know it's not apples apples right you so yeah i've got to have that understanding as well i think comparing yourself to others is a dangerous game to play and the only person you should compare yourself to is yourself and continue to get better each and every time like you know (laughs) if i compare myself to others way back when when i first did my summit i wouldn't have done another summit right because it just wasn't wouldn't have been worth it but you know i just wanted to be better and better and that's the only way to live don't you think that's the danger of being an avid learner is that the more you take in and the more people you expose yourself to, the more in some ways you do go, I want their results. And then you're instantly doing that comparison thing versus, okay, I've learned lots from these people. I'm going to look at what I currently have, what's in my sort of foundations and what's the best that I can possibly do for me right here, right now. But we don't, we tend to go, I want to be where they are, which is part of being a leading learner of bringing people up to speed. But I wish sometimes myself included, we wouldn't do that. We just go, Congrats to them. I haven't seen the 10, 15 years of success and hard work behind all that, but I'm going to start right here where I am with this thing. How can I just continue to improve? Anyway, it's the game. It's the entrepreneurial game. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. And so thank you so much for explaining that. For people listening, that's how it is. And then obviously, as you said, you package all that killer content because I often think even this podcast, right, this could easily be in itself a little mini course or an opt-in that what content creators do is put out great content and it is actually worth something. But in a summit, you're saying that very thing. You're saying this is free for now, but if you really want it forever and you want to come back and you want to make notes and you want to learn more and you want to go deeper, then, you know, here's the value behind it, which I think is fantastic because I like that people can access it for free and take action and or they can also buy it and have it for life, which is which is really powerful. But what I guess I was going to say when I said some of the trends I'm seeing, and I'd love to know from you, but one thing that comes into my inbox, I probably get three or four emails a week, Mitch, I kid you not. And and it's fine because I know they're you know, pitching me to be on their summits. And some of the summits sound awesome. They've really thought about the topic, the theme, the message, what they're going to be delivering. And then there's this little bit at the end, which um, used to, I used to say no to, I started saying no to a couple of years ago, which was that, and you must send it this many times to your email list to this many people to be part of this. And I was like, if you want me to drop knowledge for you all day, every day, and take my time to do that and to share it with my audience, you don't get to put a, you have to do these requirements on me. So that was just how I felt about it. And I would start saying no pretty quickly but I also get that people need to promote them. And that's why I said yes to you because there were no requirements. There was no anything else. And it was just pure, want you to come along and give tons of value. What I've been seeing more and more in my inbox is, and there's $150 fee to be part of this. And I'd love to know, um, I'm sure there's somebody teaching this. I probably have an idea and a few people who are. And so I get that people are going through that framework and doing it, but 
I don't know. I just love to know your thoughts on that because that to me, I can see the business sense behind it. They're putting in all the work, but in my mind, it's just a no brainer to say no to that because yeah, I have my reasons. So I'd love to know what your thought is on that because you've been in this industry for so much longer and you've seen how summits have developed. What do you think the reasoning is there and, and what's your thoughts on it? Yeah, uh, like you say, there's there's definitely someone teaching it. Um, it's it's I don't, I don't know. Like this does grind my gears, right? <laughs> um, like you say, I I I reach out in a very different way because I want to reach out to people in a way that I would um, want to be asked as well. For someone to come to me and say, "Hey, Mitch, this is this is like the what's really being said underneath all of those words that they're trying to make it look pretty is like, "Hey, Mitch, I know you've been in business for five years and you've built up tons of great content and resources and you've got a really great following. I want you to send all of your following to me because I'm going to interview you." and it just doesn't sit right with me. Like it's and what's like more, the, you're going to have to pay me for that privilege. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it blows my mind. And, um, and there might be people out there who will actually do that, but it's the people who are, are desperate to get their name out there for the wrong reasons, I would think. And you're not going to get great quality content. It's also very short term thinking, you know, like you, the most valuable thing in business are the relationships that you build. And if you're going to be approaching people like that from, you know, day one of trying, of meeting them, you've already blown your chance of some amazing things that could happen down the track. Like the way that we reached out from the start was, um, Hey, you know, we've been following you for so long. We think your content is great. And if we didn't follow them, when then we didn't say that. It was like, hey, we just were looking for people to cover this topic. We saw mm-hmm. that you, you're actually a really great speaker on this topic. We're putting together this event. We're investing heavily in advertising. This is our current following. We just want to get you on for the interview itself, whether you promote a little or a lot or none at all. We appreciate you all the same. And yeah, we just require 30 to six minutes of your time and we'd love to speak to you. And almost hesitant to, to say this next part because I don't want people to take this approach in order to get this next part. But what started happening was so many of the speakers would say, this is such a refreshing invitation. Not only will I be part of this event, but we'll also promote it. Yeah. And it, I think they felt that we had no expectations around that. Like it came from a really good place, but <laughs> yeah, I don't like it at all. I've been involved with summits like that and it's just not a nice feeling. And mm-hmm. yeah, I just try and go on what feels best and does what I would like in return. So yeah, thank you for sharing that because I think you hit on it perfectly when you said they're not playing the long-term game, they're burning bridges. Yeah. Um, and ultimately if they're dealing with people like you and I, my response is, is no. So they've already kind of shut the door in, in my mind on that. So there you go. But Hey, uh, thank you for sharing that. So that's super cool. So I guess for the average person listening in, not that my listeners are average, they're amazing, but like, let's say they've just kind of like got a small list and maybe they have an offering, maybe they have a product, maybe they have services that they sell, maybe they do coaching, consulting, et cetera. What sort of things do you think are actually possible for people doing their first summit if they put in the work, and I know you teach this to people, but if they put in the work and they're prepared to invest a certain amount in ads and maybe you can kind of give an indicative like what is a $1,000 budget, what does a $500 budget give you? But I guess what I'm really looking for is like how successful can this be as a one business tool for promotion and marketing that people can use? 
Yeah, I mean, it's so I've built um, a whole host of different funnels from webinar funnels, to ebook funnels, um, live event funnels, um, trainings, and then run ads to those funnels as well, right? So there's not <laughs> there's not been a, a single funnel that I've found that has been more cost effective than a virtual summit to build your list. Really? So, so for example, let's take, I can't touch on this niche exactly because I, but I worked with a client recently who had an email list of 500 people. It was in more of like a hobby type niche and did a summit. And within that month, we scaled his list from 500 people to 22,000 people. Um, because because he had great products, like I had a really great offer that really um, hit on to what they were needing, and he was prepared to to grow the audience. Um, even even though the Facebook ads were we finished at a bit of a loss overall, the summit was incredibly profitable. But yeah, so he took his email list from five hundred people to twenty two thousand wow. in a single month. Um, he's going to launch a product this month, and he'll probably do another, you know huge amount of money mm. I, I just can't reveal those stats unfortunately no no, but, no that's um, totally fine but yeah it's that that sort of blew my mind that blew a limiting belief out of the park for me to see a client actually do that what so, was that limiting belief i just didn't think you'd go for 500 to 22,000 right. in a single month yeah like realistically going from 500 to 10,000 yeah for sure like especially if you've got an offer and facebook facebook ads that are, are doing well but yeah, that was such a big jump and that like that's changed his life forever, you know, yeah. and um, it's really cool to see. But yeah, coming back to that. So it's talking about Facebook ads in the online business industry, like make money online, that type of stuff. You're probably looking at anywhere between $8 to $15 per lead that's coming in. So you need to make sure your summits you sort of got to reverse engineer your numbers to make sure your summit is at least going to break even with your offers and stuff that are throughout that funnel. Anything around the health industry, you're looking at anywhere between sort of $3 to $6 per opt-in, probably pretty similar with like teaching, parenting, you know, all of your hobby type niches as well around that type mm -hmm. of cost. And then, yeah, with the summit itself, like it's only a small, uh, it's typically only a small price point. So you're not going to have like 10x return on ad spend like you do with some of those higher priced offers that are very flashy and fancy that you see, you know, Facebook ad managers um, talking about all the time. But breaking even on a summit is amazing because that value, lifetime value of the new, your new mm -hmm. subscribers is going to be exponential. Yeah, 100%. And then once you know the money is in the list, it just really is because they're your people. They've signed up to hear from you. You have that engagement, that trust, that credibility. And so any offers that you go on to give that are in line with what you've been talking about are just going to be, you now you've got so many more people to be able to target them to, which is amazing. And it's also just, yeah, yeah it does seem like an incredible tool. I think I have not actually ever seriously thought about doing it just because all my other things were going really well for me and also because I knew that, there was work required in it, obviously a lot. And also just getting it organized and, you know, it's enough to get people on my podcast. I think I revealed to you when we chatted that I'm wanting to get 20 interviews done in advance, or I did at least to a few other people, 20 interviews in the month of January, 2020, so that I could batch out five months worth of podcast content, which will just feel great. And I'm well on my way to doing that, but that's just part of me being super organized in 2020 and also being able to have more of that lifestyle freedom. So I know I can go away and I can be offline and I can go on these charity bike rides and do awesome retreats without going, Oh my God, I haven't got a podcast this week. And so I imagine with the summit, it probably gets you just super laser focused, organized and really, really 
dialed in on what it is that you want to speak about and who the people are that you want to speak with. In fact, I imagine it's probably for project-based people who have short attention spans. Some it's probably really good because you're all in for what, like two, three, four months. Yeah. Yeah. That's me. Yeah. Perfect. So just for those of you listening who are like, Oh, that, that sounds doable. I can just go all in for that amount of time. Why not? And I imagine you can probably, you probably have your lifestyle kind of set up around it. Like if you know you do two summits a year, that's probably you set or maybe even one, depending on how successful it is. Um, so the rest of the time, you've just got funnels and, and all that time off to enjoy the fruits of your labor. In fact, this sounds like the ideal <laughs> business model. We should all be switching to Mitch, buy a Mercedes printer and, um, and go explore our countries. Done. <laughs> Sign me up. No, so it's very, very appealing and I think it's really useful. Anything that people should know about if they choose this kind of as one of their, I mean, I know some people run them purely as their business model, but I think I imagine they're good as part of a blended business model with multiple revenue streams, just because they can lead you into so many different areas. But is there anything that people need to be aware of? Because there's also competition in this space. There's people doing it really well, as we pointed out. There's people giving it a bad name. Is there anything that you sort of found over the time that maybe the realities of summits that people need to know a little bit more about? Yeah, it's a really good question. I guess uh, there's a couple of things. So the first one is summits itself. You used to be, you know, really profitable. If you're going at scale, that's really hard to do now unless you've got a really good team of affiliates who are willing to promote your product. You know, the just the cost of advertising these days. It's hard to to make a really big profit on the summit. So yeah, you definitely want to blend that in with other products and stuff that you've got or. Um, you know, partnering with some of your speakers and creating products or, or offers with them and or joint, joint venture partnerships with them um, to promote their products, something like that. So yeah, that's probably one thing I'd say that's changed since I started is like just understanding that the costs of advertising are rising, they're going to continue to rise. So not relying on a summit to be highly profitable for your business, it can be a great revenue generator and a great list builder, like we've already discussed. But yeah, profit is is getting harder and harder to make. So just taking that into account. The second thing is just making people aware that especially for your first summit, there's probably going to be way more work in it than you think, unless you're outsourcing the entire thing to an agency or something like that and give yourself time. I've made the mistake of working with clients in the past who want to launch a summit in five weeks and not only do they get incredibly stressed out, but it puts a lot of stress on on us as well. And while we've got the result most of the time, it's not stress that you want to put on yourself. And mm -hmm. while they got a certain result, they could have got two or three X times better if they just took another three or four weeks to slow down a little bit, plan it a little bit easier, a little bit more carefully and not doing the interviews at the same time you're trying to do promotions and things like that. So a good runway for creating a summit would be three months for your first one, I would say. And anything less than like six weeks, you're really going to have to have a lot of help and um, be super focused on that. So yeah. yeah, I mean, they're probably the two main ones. Yeah, the, the biggest thing is always that always comes up of people just not planning correctly and having to push back their summits and, and things like that. So just always give yourself enough time. Yeah, perfect. Thank you so much for that. It's really useful to know. So I would love to just dive back into your lifestyle because obviously this has really allowed you, as you said, to sort of travel the world without the suitcase. Now you're out of the van and it sounds like you're just going to be like focusing a little bit more on you this year, which I love to hear and lifestyle and adventures. So I guess what's the most positive thing that's come out of this for you just so that people who are listening, because I always think it's really important to have the why behind why you're doing what you're doing. I mean, we can all figure out how to work really hard and make lots of money not all of us, but 
in general, like there are ways, there's frameworks, there's teaching, there's ways to do it. But most important to me is living a great life. Like I want to know that I did some great work this morning, had some amazing interviews on the podcast, and then I get to go off hiking and playing with my dogs or chilling out with friends or reading books or whatever it may be that I want to do. So what's your why behind what you do? You kind of alluded to it, but I just want people to really hear this so that they're like, focused on that yeah i guess i'm i'm so passionate right now about building lifestyle first and then finding a business that fits in around that you know for for many years i actually focused entirely on on building a business and um it leads to burnout and you, you lose you know your friendships and relationships tend to not be as fruitful as they could be and you know, if you're so focused on on building a business or you know some sort of income stream to enjoy life. That's really the reason why we get into this is because we want more freedom. We want more independence. We want to be able to go anywhere we want at any time. However, we get so stuck in doing that that we don't do all of those things that we first got into business for. So, um, <laughs> Irony. I've, yeah, right. So, and some people get trapped in that for so long. Whereas what's interesting and what's happened for me in the last you know four months as I've been more intentional about my lifestyle is that I tend to make a lot of money when I do very little. <laughs> it's such a strange thing. Like when I'm in my happy place, when I'm in the ocean, when I'm surfing, when I'm you know, spending more time by the beach, having slow mornings before diving into all my emails and, and all the work that I've got to get done for the day, it allows me to be in a really calm state and a bit of a law of attraction nerd. It allows me to be in such a great vibration that everything that I want just starts to magnetized towards me and you know i might have the intention on a monday that i i oh i've got um, a bit of time coming up at this in a few months time i'd like to fill that with a client if i don't stress out about that and if i just continue on doing the things that make me happy you know there's not been a time in the last four months where something where a call hasn't popped into my calendar of someone needing some assistance on that exact month that i was hoping for so mm. just being in that state doing the things that make you feel happy at least for a few hours a day is so powerful in manifesting what you want not just in business but you know in in all parts of your life so yeah that's what i'm super passionate about right now and what i'm trying to you know get across in, in in between the cracks of the messages that I put out there. Yeah, I love it. Thank you. I was just envisaging some surfing there and those beautiful slow mornings. And it's exactly what I talk about in the Plan Your Ideal Freedom Year workshop is you've got to mark out your holidays and your downtimes and your sabbaticals and your long weekends because the first thing that gets taken up is putting work in those places instead. So if they're off in your calendar and nobody can get to them, then you're prioritizing that downtime and that lifestyle. So I love yeah. it. And sticking to that, like something that was, I could still feel like some resistance in that for me today. I got an email yesterday for someone wanting to run ads for in March for, for them for a summit. Now the old me would have dove at that and said, yes, absolutely. But I've purposely blocked out the entire month of March to travel. I'm actually doing some overseas travel. Um, I could have fitted in, in between, you know, like I've done that many times before, but I made a really strong intention that at the start of the year to block out any more client work up until April. Um, So it was hard to say no, like, you know, an extra bit of money that I could spend on the business or traveling would have been great. But sticking to that is something that's so important. Otherwise, you're just going to fall into the same habits that are not fulfilling you anyway. So, yeah. Exactly. And how much sometimes you got to think is that extra, I don't know, whatever it is, couple of grand, five grand, 10 grand, what, how much extra is it really worth? You know, there's that thing around, you're not really that much happier once you're earning over 75K. 
And I'm, I'm sure that there are levels of happiness that maybe do go on from there, but ultimately, sometimes that's why I love paying to have a cleaner here, because I'm like, that time is really valuable for me to go out and go hiking, as I said, or go out triathlon training, go for swims, whatever it may be. Sometimes I think we get so focused on, as you said, accepting that next thing so that we can earn more money. And I'm like, to do what? To do the stuff that you've just now said no to because you've decided to work instead of go off and do the thing that you really wanted to do. It's kind of a, a bizarre circle. So I think to stop and smell the roses more often and really go, hang on, the thing I really want to do right now, nobody could pay me for because this is the time that I want to do it in. I exactly. Like it. It's it's coming out of a place of fear, right? You're you're fearful that you're not going to make more money in the future and you've got to take everything that's coming to you now. Whereas if you're in a state of abundance all the time, then you know that you can make more money when you need it. That's an incredibly empowering state to be in. And that's when like those minor or not minor, but major mindset shifts that occur as you you know, become more experienced in, in life and business are so important and, um, you know, probably one of the biggest things that most people need to work on to be successful. Yeah, 100%. Continuing to be in that place of abundance. I mean, it's hard to stay there all the time, but you're so right when you do drop into it. It's amazing what things has happened to you and, yeah. and come your way. Thank you so much, Mitch. Um, we could talk for hours. I'm sure and we'll have you back on the podcast, uh, but I would love to know the best way that people can find out more about you. Yeah, for sure. Um, so just mitchasser.com. So M-I-T-C-H-A-S-S-E-R. So people can connect with me there or at mitch.asser on Instagram if you want to check out the van and, and see what I get up to and all of the amazing sites that I'll be seeing over the next couple of months. Yeah, and if you're on the Gold Coast or somewhere in Australia and you're touring around, maybe you can like toot toot and just pull up behind you. You guys could go for a surf or something. That sounds great. Yeah, come say hello. I'll make you one of my famous medicinal cacao teas. Ooh, that sounds so good. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So what did you think of that episode? Honestly, please, I would really love to know if you can come across to Instagram at Natalie Sisson, tag me in it, tag me listening to this podcast when you are, wherever you are, send a photo of me, wherever you're doing it, and let me know what you thought. Because honestly, I think Mitch was so generous with his time and his knowledge. And I personally learned a heap. I mean, I've been part of Summit. I've been just such an observer of them for years. I've always really loved them as a model, but I just really appreciated his value and his ethical stance on why they're so fantastic. And as a podcaster, it makes total sense for me to take this to the next level and do this. Plus, one of my big missions in 2020 is to grow my email list beyond belief. So stay tuned, folks. And as I said, leave me your feedback at Natalie Sisson on Instagram or go one better and please leave a short review on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever. The reviews help so much for other people to find this podcast, this content, and to learn all about how to get paid to be them and tap into their potential. Thank you so much for listening. The show notes and all the goodness are across at nataliesisson.com forward slash podcast. Just look for this episode, which is episode 54. Thank you so much and go tap into your potential. 